Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. A Monday is upon us. It is cold. There's a lot of factors that are being fed into the markets today. And an interesting one. I'm excited to hear the reasons and what these correlations are. But we're going to go back to 2008, which really doesn't seem that far ago. But what are we seeing? And are we seeing maybe a little bit of history could be repeating itself? We're going to find out that a lot more today as we're joined by Brian Split. He's with agmarket.net. So let's talk about this correlation. What are you seeing in the charts from 2008 to what we're seeing today? So 2008 was a year um, that had a lot going on. There was a a big commodity boom that year. That was also the year that we had the mortgage-backed security crisis later in the year. Uh, But to this point, the corn and soybean contracts are tracking the 2008 corn and soybean contracts very closely. And I'll I'll paint a little bit of a picture for you. Um, So let's think about the report that we had a month ago, the January report. Uh, On that report, corn was limit up, and the July contract that day settled at 5.16 and a quarter cent. And uh, interestingly, in 2008, the corn uh, market was also limit up on the January report. The July contract that year settled at 5.16. So we're talking literally a quarter cent apart on the same report um, for the same July contract, just different years. Um, and so then what happened, if you think to the, the report that we had a month ago, we had gapped higher that night. And then after that gap, we went up and, and put in a peak before we uh, had a, a pretty uh, aggressive correction. The peak this year was at 540 and a quarter. And then the pullback went to exactly 490 before the uh, the uptrend resumed. In 2008, that peak was 542 and a quarter, and then that pullback went to 490 on the dot. So we are literally seeing these July corn contracts moving uh, the same distance on the same days from the same price points. And so, uh, again, that does not have to continue, uh, but I'm going to be using that as a, a kind of roadmap uh, uh, you know, moving forward. And so what that would suggest is that this corn contract uh, or corn market is going to, to continue to make new contract highs. And we're likely to put in a, uh, a late winter high in early March. And it's probably going to be right around the March WASDI report. So um, what I, that would suggest is that the report tomorrow will be bullish, that the ending stocks will be reduced, which I believe is what pretty much everybody in the trade is looking for because of our exports. Uh, then from there, uh, we'll likely have priced in all of the short-term bullishness, and the shift will then focus on the planting intentions at the end of the month. Uh, that'll be at the end of March. March is also the last month of the quarter, so I do think that if we make the move that 2008 suggests that we could, you're going to have a very long fund community with a lot of profit in their in their positions going into the end of the quarter, which could very well bring some end of the end of the quarter profit taking. Um, so that picture is also valid in soybeans. Uh, the numbers aren't as exact as corn, but it's trading again. The timing is is similar. The the size of the moves is similar. And uh, when you look at where uh, the soybean market is compared to where we were in 2008 coming into this report. Um, looking at the the July contracts here, we're at effectively the same price points. And so this report uh, in 2008 was also bullish soybeans. 
and uh, we had effectively rallied from this same uh, price vicinity. So right now we're right around this thirteen, um, this thirteen seventy-ish area on, on July beans uh, between the report in February and the beginning part of March in 2008, we had made a run up to 1595. So um, again, we could have a couple bucks in front of us uh, to the upside on soybeans on old crop, assuming that the USDA reduces ending stocks. It does not have to be a large reduction to get that type of a move. Uh, we're currently seeing uh, 140 million bushels is where the USDA has old crop stocks. If they drop it to 125, now we're back to carryout levels that rival the stocks that we were seeing from August of 2012 until summer of 2013 after that drought when we had stocks uh, at, at, at those levels, but roughly 125 million bushels then. And that's when we saw the $15, $16, $17 type soybean prices. Um, so I, I think as long as we continue to follow this roadmap loosely, uh, which the next step is getting a bullish report tomorrow with a bullish reaction, I'm going to continue to use these 2008 charts as a loose guide for me to, to roughly know when do I want to buy puts, when do I want to buy, buy calls. It's a lot of information that's out there for the producers. So as you look at that, in a nutshell, how do we kind of decompress all of that and then know what we should be looking for to move forward? Is there some different triggers that we should be keeping an eye out for? Right, so it's a lot of information, and, and uh, again, we're, we're kind of operating on the assumption that, that we're going to continue to move along that pattern. Um, that does not negate the downside risk of the market. That does not mean that the market's going to continue to behave like 08. It's, doing, it's, it's behaving like 08 right now. Uh, there are things that could change that, but in the meantime, it probably just makes me feel like, hey, if we're going to have some coverage under some old crop bushels, uh, or if you're going to be selling some old crop bushels, then um, the type of coverage that we have, if you want to hold on to cash, maybe it's going to be a little bit more conservative. So maybe we're not selling futures against those bushels. Maybe we're not, uh, you know, establishing marginable positions. It may just be simply, hey, if we feel like there's some some reason to to cover the downside, it might just be with a put, uh, or vice versa. If you just sold some cash and you feel like, you know what, I think this market could go higher, 2008 would be a reason why you might consider buying some calls for the next 45 days and having something in the account uh, to, to keep you in the game on paper until we get to the beginning of March. Uh, I would say that maybe even more importantly would be that if this market does stay on track for 2008, um, there could be a very, very large move to the downside during the month of March. You're listening to the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. As we continue our conversation with Brian Split, he's with agmarket.net. I wish sometimes folks could hear the conversations that we have during the commercial break. And it kind of led back to a farm show of last week, Brian, that um, producers are wondering at what point are we going to see either stop sales to China or cancellations from China coming in? Because we're into February. Normally their focus is already South America, but doesn't seem to be happening this time. Right. So I think um, with the South American weather, uh, it has delayed their crop a little bit. So the Chinese have stuck around and, and been buying U.S. product a little bit longer than normal. Uh, I, I think the concern that um, the, U, the U.S. will stop uh, selling 
soybeans to China is warranted, but I, I don't think it's something that we want to get too concerned about because, frankly, we, we need to stop selling beans to China um, for a couple of reasons. South America's beans are going to be coming online, so Brazil will become the primary exporter of soybeans in the world. Uh, and that's fine because we need our export program to shift to corn. Uh, we've been doing a good job of aggressively shipping soybeans out of the United States, and uh, that is going to end, and it's going to be sooner rather than later. But uh, that is going to make way for Brazil to start shipping soybeans, and that is going to make way for the U.S. corn export program. So we have a lot of corn that we need to ship of what's been sold. And uh, up to this point, the actual export program has been very aggressive getting beans out of the country. And so that needs to start turning into corn in order for us to hit our shipment targets. So we've been shipping way more every week than what we need to ship to hit the USDA's target for corn, or I should say for soybean shipments. Uh, that is not the case for corn, but I think it will be very soon. That probably means good things in certain areas for basis. Basis is going to have to do some work to get corn to where it needs to go and to get to, into the export channel. So uh, I think we are likely to see um, a pullback in the month of March for corn, uh, similar to soybeans, but I think it will not be to nearly the same extent. I think the pullback in, in beans will be much more aggressive. Uh, and not to say that we won't see some profit taking and, and uh, move off the highs in corn, but I, I don't think it's going to be anywhere near the same scope that that, that move will be in, in soybeans. So having said that, if you're a livestock producer who utilizes soybeans, for example, in their feed rations, is there a reason to be nervous as we get towards the summer months? I, I have been hearing that uh, meal may be very difficult to come by. Um, so part of this problem that we have right now is whether the uh, the export program slows down or not, uh, and, and I, again, I do think it will, uh, we still have to ration demand. We, we don't have a lot of soybeans here in the country, so we're still going to have to do the work to ration demand on, on the crush side. And so I, I think it's going to be difficult to source meal. Um, there might be the necessity to look for some alternatives to, uh, to soybean meal. Uh, but uh, hopefully, you know, on all plans can continue to make things work and continue to pump out DDGs. Uh, you know, we could see a, a double problem if the price of corn continues to go up. Uh, and, and luckily, we are seeing energy values moving higher. It does appear that the price of crude oil is kind of broken out above its downtrend that we've had over the last three years. So that's good. Uh, crude oil today is up over a dollar. We're, we're nearing $60 a barrel. Uh, but we need to see energy energy values continue to move higher. Uh, if we don't and we see corn values continue to go higher, ethanol margins are going to become a problem, uh, and then you're going to continue to see the potential for uh, a reduction in ethanol production, which will uh, then bring a reduction in DDG production. And so if we have less DDGs around because of that, and then we have a, a problem sourcing meal, uh, all these things could be a problem. But uh, hopefully, as we move forward, um, South America is going to be able to, to provide some meal to some of the other world users. So uh, what we don't want is we don't want to be competing with global buyers for meal. Uh, we want it to stay a domestic issue uh, where we're just com competing amongst ourselves instead of competing with, with global buyers. Let's look at the other uh, grain, uh, the wheat market. I know that th last week a lot of folks were talking about these cold, bitter temperatures that were moving uh, through the plains. Not a lot of snow cover in some areas. Some do have some good snow cover. Do you see that as a as a market concern as of this point? 
You know, I, I think um, heading into the weekend, I had expected that um, the wheat would maybe trade a little bit stronger. And, and, you know, it's interesting, just middle to late last week, we were testing the previous week's lows in, in hard red wheat. Uh, you know, we did come off of those lows on Friday and had a pretty decent close. But uh, today, coming out of the weekend with the cold, and, and it's hard to tell if this was just caught up in the buying of, of grains in general today, but I do think that there was some buying in, in wheat today because of that cold. Uh, the wheat market took out its short-term downtrend from the contract highs. Um, so as long as we're uh, holding $6 a bushel on this nearby March contract, I think the chart looks sound. Sounds great. What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you, Brian? You can reach me directly at 815-665-0463. Check us out online at www.agmarket.net. And my Twitter handle is at BJSplit. All right. Just a reminder that commodity futures and options involve substantial risk of loss, so they're not suitable for all investors. That is the Fontenelle Final Bell being brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local Fontenelle dealers on the Rural Radio Network.